Amen. Grateful for his word. You know, there's a, you know, when we uh, study scripture sometimes, I mean, sometimes I think might just read and go, okay, cool. Got the, the historical thing. Check, you know, or, you know, of, of, uh, of and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But there are times when scripture just, just impacts our hearts uh, and our lives and our minds so much. Um, you know, this is one of those where, where, you know, we, as we go through and we're going to see, um, you know, the Lord teaching, the Lord preparing uh, Peter for failure, and then Peter fails, and just seeing those things, and just as a human being, you know, it's uh, uh, it's easy to criticize somebody when they're down, you know, and uh, but just to see how gracious and how good uh, the Lord is uh, through through all of this is just such a blessing. So I, I have this particular scripture is is a, uh, a tremendous blessing to me, or this this passage that we're going to uh, go through tonight. So uh, Luke 22, uh, verse 24. So uh, last time, uh, so Sunday night, uh, we ended, uh, we were discussing the Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover and, uh, and what those two things meant and uh, that they were a, a, um, a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do for all of mankind. But for Israel, why they while they were stuck in Egypt and in, in under the bondage of slavery um, to Egypt, they uh, when Moses had had gone to Pharaoh and and had uh, tried to demand that they the children of Israel be let go, they a lot of games played, a lot of hey come back and see this, and if this happens then that, and you know they're they're going back and forth with. You know, turning staffs into snakes, and you know uh, all the 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 horrible plagues that the people had to deal with, and we talked about those. You know, lice, uh, frogs, you know, flies, all these things that are just awful. Um, but it still didn't it didn't uh, change Pharaoh's heart. It was still hard, and um, then came the uh, the Passover, and the Lord uh, told them very specifically, the children of Israel. Um, that they would uh, be observing this uh, for the rest of, you know, throughout uh, the rest of Israel's days. And it was a celebration of, so what they would have to do is uh, each family um, would sacrifice a spotless lamb uh, for uh, themselves. And if it was a small family, they could go in uh, with their neighbor and the, the, the two families together, which I think is really awesome. Um, but the two families together uh, would would sacrifice the spotless lamb uh, it, uh, together, and that what they'd have to do then is they'd take hyssop and uh, dip that in in the blood of the lamb and put the blood on the doorposts and on the lintel on the sides and the top of the door, creating a cross. You know that that symbol all the way back in Exodus Exodus twelve uh, was a symbol of the death of Jesus on the cross. And uh, and then when uh, the Lord came through and the destroyer, uh, when 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 the Lord would see that He wouldn't allow the, the destroyer to um, to kill anybody, the firstborn in that house. So uh, unfortunately for Egypt, uh, all the firstborn died for them. 
um, because they didn't have the blood covering them. So we saw and we studied that and we studied um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread where the leaven, which represents sin in the scripture, uh, had to be removed from their house for the week that they celebrated uh, that feast and they were uh, gearing up for the Passover. So that sin had to be removed. So we see the pictures of who Jesus is and what he de- what he did and the, the, the uh, we would have to, you know, want to turn and and remove sin from our lives, but that Jesus, uh, in his death on the cross, delivered us from a much more cruel master than Egypt could ever be, and that sin reigning over our hearts and our lives as it tears apart. I know every one of us in here have seen the effects of sin on our lives. We just have because we're human beings, and you see the effect of sin uh, on our lives to various degrees, but we've all seen that effect, um, and that sin ultimately uh, creates separation between man and God. And uh, where Jesus died and we can accept him and, and be washed uh, by the blood of the lamb and we can, uh, we can accept him and stand holy in his name and righteous because of, uh, of his sacrifice, now we've been delivered, that, that Passover uh, from death to life spiritually for us. So that's what we covered. And uh, it was just a blessing to, uh, to look into that. And then uh, we ended after the Lord instituted the, um, uh, the Lord's Supper. And we talked uh, briefly about that uh, because just uh, the Sunday before, uh, we went through uh, what the Passover, uh, sorry, what um, uh, the Lord's Supper meant. You know when we uh, take communion, so we've we've discussed that as a church several times. So uh, we didn't dive into that as much as we uh, typically would as we're going through. But uh, so verse twenty four, where we pick up here, uh, we see now if your Bible has headings over the 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 part, it's going to tell you. Mine says the disciples argue about greatness. So uh, verse twenty four says, "Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest." Now, it's as weird as it sounds, you know, um, that Jesus has just taken them through all these things, um, and they've seen all these things happening, and that there's a buildup. Jesus said, "You know, that things are are coming to a head right now," and uh, ultimately, here are these guys once again arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And uh, the wanting to to be great for God and, and to be used greatly in his kingdom is not a bad thing. But when we're going, yeah, I'm better than you, I mean, just that the, the pride in and of itself is, is just so silly to think of. But who's going to be? You're not going to be the greatest. Uh, you know, why would you be the greatest? I was the one, you know, that saw this or God used me this way. Like just total nonsense. But. Uh, the Lord doesn't jump down their throats here. Let's let's read uh, verse 25. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them, over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater? He who sits at the table or he who serves. Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit 
on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So the Lord's response here uh, isn't you guys <laughs> are a bunch of fools, bunch of morons here. What are you doing? You know, you, you've missed everything. The Lord doesn't jump down their throat. Um, he, he, you know, after everything is uh, seen and heard, these guys are, are, are still uh, dealing with this. And Jesus deals with this uh, perfectly as always. Uh, so as we look at what he says here in verse 25, uh, he explains that greatness in the, in the kingdom isn't like greatness in the world. It's, it's the opposite. You know, in God's, God's kingdom, uh, things are opposite. That uh, you want to be great, you have to serve. If you want to increase, you need to decrease. You know, it's those things. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. It's that's you know, the the world is no. You got to climb. You got to strive. You got to claw. You got to push somebody else's head down and get up ahead. You better be up early, and you better stay up late. You know, those those types of things and sacrifice all. I um, uh, recently saw a um, a documentary on uh, WWE wrestling. I was never a huge fan. In my late teens, I was a big fan because, you know, The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and all those guys were big. And my roommates uh, and my, my all my best friends were into it. So we would we'd buy a pay-per-view and just watch the madness unfold. But as I've seen, I've seen two or three documentaries about the guys that – that were wrestling up in my days. And, and uh, what I saw in every one of them was they sacrificed their bodies and their families for fame and fortune. They, they literally sold their souls for So, so in movies they say, you know, sold your soul and they've got a, whatever the depiction of Satan is and somebody comes and they prick their finger or whatever. You remember the movies from the eighties. I don't know if you saw them like I did as a kid, It'd prick your finger and you sign your name and blood. And now you belong to Satan and all those things. We're not going to, that's, that's not how it happens. All you have to do is just follow your own will all the way till, uh, whatever, uh, brokenness you come to, you know, no matter what marriage or, you know, relationship with children, everything, all those things come to, you know, so that, that worldly, that worldly, uh, view on greatness and that I'm going to sacrifice everything. And just to see, to hear the, 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 uh, surgeries these guys have had all the way up into the teens and the kids that they've had that they have no relationship with and their marriages, you know, that, that failed because they just weren't home. You know, they're on the road 300 days a year. You know, and, and I don't mean to pick on them, but I just I, I noticed that it was at great cost. They had to sell everything for that. God's kingdom is no, we, we, we don't pursue our own dream. And, and the Lord is doesn't doesn't mean that the Lord's not going to give us a, a successful career or whatever it is. But when that becomes the main focus, emptiness is the result. Emptiness and brokenness and and chaos is the result. So. I love that Jesus is just setting it straight here where he, he's just saying, you know, and explaining that, that greatness in the kingdom is opposite of what's happening here. Uh, and it's all about serving. That's what that's what Jesus said here. He says, um, but not so among you. On the contrary, who would verse 26, uh, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who, who governs as he who serves. You know, it's about considering the scripture tells us to consider others more important than ourselves. That's that's the the recipe. That's that's what we need if we want God to bless us uh, in His kingdom and in eternity. 
it's about rejecting ourselves and our own will and then laying it down for uh, the Lord's will and and considering others more important than ourselves and serving others. You know, a boss, uh, a boss can lord over people. You know, it, it, when he goes into saying um, here in um, where he says uh, lord over them. Um, oh, uh, sorry, verse 25, he says the Gentiles, the kings, the Gentile kings of the, uh, sorry, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are are called benefactors. And you know, if you think today, you know, somebody, a boss, you know, can lord it over employees, uh, but they're never going to win your heart. They're they're never going to get to the point where you you love that person and you want to serve them because you you love serving under them. You have to serve under them so because you have to get your paycheck right. I don't know about you. I've had some bosses that I haven't really enjoyed. I thankfully have been blessed with a lot of good bosses in my life, but I have had uh, a few in leadership over me that I did not appreciate and and that uh, that didn't really earn my love and my respect. I had uh, one boss over in Italy when we were over there, and I was a pretty pretty new uh, airman, and I was. I was in a uh, what's called a numbered Air Force. It was a small group uh, over there, and uh, I was there helping out. And uh, the the people in the shop that I was working in had to take off for some training for a week, and they left me to man the the desks and everything, which wasn't a real big deal. I knew some basics of how to take care of things, but I was still pretty new. But there was one guy that failed to do something extremely important that he needed to do that required a specific security clearance that I didn't have as a new guy. Not only that, but it required a specific class, that two of them that I would have had to go to, that I hadn't gone to. And so those are the things that would qualify me from to, to do that, to do that specific task. And uh, when it wasn't done, um, our captain calls and says, hey, you know, Master Sergeant So and So is asking if you did this, and I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Uh, I just messed this up. I called them because somebody called and asked me for it. That's what it was, and so I called the captain. I'm like, I don't know what to do, and he's, I, I heard him in the back. I told John he needed to do that. I'm like, I, I don't have the clearance to do that. And I don't have the two classes I needed to do that. Like you have to do. Like it's not like oh you can do it if, without the class or anything. So. I got thrown under the bus and I did not enjoy when that guy came back and I couldn't say anything about it. I was a young guy and I, I was there helping those guys out. And I was, I was even, even today, I'm like, I wouldn't trust that guy. <laughs> you know, there are some people that you're not going to trust because you know that they're, they're just lording or whatever, whatever uh, position they have over you. They'll just lord it over you. But when someone, and I've had awesome leaders, that hey, you know what? If somebody somebody wanted to, to come and and uh, give anybody a hard time, step right in the way and say, "Get out of here." Hey, you know, these are my guys. You got something to say? You come say it to me. That didn't happen a lot, but you know, if somebody thought that something was wrong or whatever, and that, especially earlier in your career, you have the good supervisor. You know, uh, the ones that the ones that love, the ones that that are willing to to put themselves out in front of you. Uh, those are the easy ones to to follow, but. Somebody who's lording it over you, you'll, they'll never have your heart. You know, the, God wants our hearts and our obedience, and he wins those things by his love. That's, it's, it's love is the difference in, in all of those things. And what Jesus is saying here is, you know, 
uh, these people can can try to lord over, and uh, you know you can look at powerful positions, and somebody can demand these things. Um, but the, what he's saying here is that in the kingdom of God, it's all about serving. It's all about lowering ourselves. That doesn't mean that we that we abandon uh, our our responsibilities at all. But what it means is that. We need to be willing to serve others rather than just lord over. And that can be in our family. It can be at work or whatever it is. But that we are willing to serve and we're willing to, to show uh, the love. The pastor, the, the minister, is supposed to be the servant of all. You know, that's the, when, you, when you look at it, when you look at the, de- the biblical definition of what a pastor is, the servant. The one, you know, if you look at a shepherd, the shepherd is serving the sheep. You're getting ready, you're serving the food, and you're getting everything there. You're taking care. You've dedicated your life to taking care of these sheep as a shepherd, and and you're serving them, and you're protecting them, and you're feeding them. You know, it's, it's about it's about a, a place of humility. So as these guys are arguing about greatness, the Lord just serves them uh, a a uh, you know just a, the re- I, the only thing I can think of is the recipe card, and and the main ingredient is humility. You know that they have to have the humility there. So uh, that's the the necessity for any services is is, uh, is is humility. So, uh, in as we move forward, uh, looking at verse twenty eight, uh, Jesus addresses them and uh, and he says, "But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one upon me." that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jesus commends their faithfulness. It hasn't always been easy for them. And he does Jesus does commend their faithfulness. And he's explaining that you know rejection might come but they're going to be re- rewarded in heaven. You know church tradition says that 10 of the 11 that are left here Judas is gone. 10 of the 11 uh, that are left here died martyrs deaths John was uh, boiled in oil and uh, left by himself on the island of Patmos and 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 died uh, what might have been more of a natural death um, but uh, the others the others based on church history all died and we see some of them you know uh, James was killed uh, and um, uh, St- Stephen wasn't one of the the, the 12 there but um, Maybe yes, it was. Yeah, anyways, so we have we have these guys, and what we see is ten of the eleven, excuse me, are uh, end up dying a martyr's deaths. Uh, so as we look at this, we see that uh, you know man's man's reward. Where if you kind of go back up into uh, you know you may be put in the position of uh, you know uh, of prominence, even even to a governor or whatever. But you know in in God's uh, economy, the rewards. Some of the rewards are going to be here, but the re- rewards that we focus on are eternal. That we are we're we're focusing on eternal blessing that that God is giving us. We may not see it here. Uh, it, we talked about it last week uh, very briefly, but uh, you know even the ability where he says. Um, uh, where he said uh, when we were talking about Jesus instituting the, the Lord's Supper uh, that we'd eat with Jesus at the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19.9, be able to sit and, and dine with him. When it says here uh, that uh, you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of, of Israel, these guys, their names are written in heaven. Uh, Revelation 21 verse 14 says, Now the wall of the city, the new Jerusalem, 
had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, that 12th name, we don't know. You know, it, 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 it might have been Matthias uh, as they cast the lots, and, and but that was the last time we saw Matthias's name uh, listed in there. Uh, some believe it might, been, might be Paul. That Paul was actually the next, uh, the next apostle. An apostle means sent one, and we know that Paul was sent to uh, the Gentiles. So we'll find out when we get there. We don't, we don't know, but that's uh, that's uh, an interesting scripture to look at. So as these guys are arguing and fighting, Jesus is telling them, guys, hey, you know what? I know I've t- I told you so, and we've discussed this so many times. I want to let you know that there are eternal blessings for you. And, and, and God is going to bless you uh, for your faithful service to him. So right on the heels of that is verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, 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 Peter. So uh, when, when we see that, uh, if uh, you're looking through and you're like, Simon and Peter, if you're not familiar, Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. So it says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith shall not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So this is quite heavy. After seeing the eternal things that the Lord just said uh, were were awaiting them, uh, the Lord uh, turns his focus to Simon and to Peter specifically. That had to be hard to be singled out because, you know, if you... You understand that we're going to look at the the, the personality of, of Peter uh, and a little bit of his history, and for him to be called out as somebody who's going to turn his back on the Lord must have been unbelievably hard for him to hear. So Satan, he says, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And sifting uh, was a way of separating uh, the chaff and everything from wheat so that the goods, so it, and it's, uh, you know, if you were going to be sifted, that's, that's not a comfortable thing to be, uh, to be, you know, ground and, and these things to be removed. Satan wants to destroy you is what Jesus is saying. But the important thing is here uh, that he says that I have prayed for you. So Satan Satan is asking to let let me have my hands on Peter. Let me have my hands. I want to share something with you regarding Satan and uh, written by Peter later on. Peter, Peter writing, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He knew something about that. Peter understood that. That's why he's writing it. You know what? That your enemy is the same enemy, and he was he was roaring uh, like a lion, and he wanted to, to eat me. He wanted to end my life. So when Peter writes that, he knows exactly what he's saying. He knows. He, I uh, shared with a loved one recently um, about uh, addiction recovery, and. I, was blessed by uh, a post that Brian Garrity, who uh, is moving into uh, overseeing the um, uh, the Friday Addictions Bible Study, <laughs> right here, Wave Escape uh, Bible uh, Bible Study, and and everything. And uh, Brian had shared a post, and I was blessed to be able to share that to somebody and and uh, and say, hey, you know, this story looks just exactly like your story, because Brian was just sharing in his his story of of the ups and downs he's had in life and that the downs were so low and you know it was it was just there was always that return to drugs and and how they destroyed his life and it was to jail or juvenile hall or I think he said juvenile hall just getting in trouble and 
just life being a total mess. So I was able to share that. And what I heard back was, uh, you know, in a, a phone conversation after I texted was, you know, those are the ones, really the only ones I want to talk to is somebody who's been through it. You know, that they've been through what I have. And I, I understand it, but it's also a dangerous thing because does somebody have to really have been through exactly what you are to be able to share with you what may free you in a Bible study? You know, I haven't I haven't had it. Me personally, I haven't had a, a drug or alcohol addiction or anything like that. But for somebody to kind of disqualify me and, and, and you know, that would that would be hurtful. You know, I could just say, yeah, but I know the Savior. You know, I was I was under the bondage of sin in my life and I was freed. It's the same, you know, but sometimes sometimes for certain people, they need to hear from somebody who's been through it. Peter had been through it and Peter could say that that uh, the devil walks around, uh, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And it is very much like that. Even today, our enemy wants to devour. So uh, I mentioned that we would talk about Peter and and. Just uh, for us to remember who he was and what he did, if you, uh, you remember the start, we get introduced to him as a fisherman, and uh, we see pretty quickly, and as you as you study through the Gospels, that Peter was one that didn't lack self-confidence. You know, he was pretty confident in himself and his abilities and, and everything, and um, it, even, even when the Lord told him right here, uh, it, it, the next verse that we haven't read yet, you know, everyone else will... will he's, I'll read it right now. But when he said, uh, but he said to him, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I am willing to go with you both to prison and death. Now we have other gospel accounts that say that even if everybody else walked away from him, he wouldn't. And he meant that. He meant it deep in his heart. He did mean that. Unfortunately, like the Lord said, uh, when he caught Peter uh, sleeping shortly after that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It was, it's the, the, the flesh, you know, the, the, the part of you that's flesh uh, is weak. And so we, we know that he wasn't, he was one that wasn't lacking self-confidence. And um, it, you can uh, look in Luke chapter five earlier in, in this gospel account that we're studying through. He reluctantly went back out to sea to fish again after Jesus had, had taught the multitudes. And uh, at Jesus's command, he went out and then they, well, we've been fishing all day. We haven't caught anything. The Lord tells them to go out, and then they're catching more fish than they can think of, you know. But what I'm getting to on this is as they're pulling the fish in, Peter noticed something different. Everybody's pulling the nets in and everything, and, and the Lord spoke to his heart. And, like, wait a minute. This is, this is miraculous what's happening here. Then he turns and he drops to Jesus, and he says, Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Peter is a self-proclaimed sinful man. There are uh, coming from the Catholic Church, and I'm, I, please don't understand. Uh, don't think of me. I, I, there are people that um, that I know and love that that attend a Catholic Church, and I'm, I don't want to bash them or anything. But for him to be held in this esteem, uh, that that it's 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 Peter that that is you know the the ultimate that he was the rock. No, it was the declaration that Jesus was the Christ was was that rock that Jesus was building his church on. Not on Peter himself. There's there's the problem. But Peter himself de declared that he was a sinful man. And he's like, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Like, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. He realized who Jesus Christ was at that moment and drops down. He's a potty mouth fisherman. You know, he lived a life of, of just sin. 
Uh, and uh, what we see in in the scripture is oftentimes Peter was a special project for Jesus. You know, Peter, James, and John it would would often those three. The the Lord would often take those three uh, and and with him, uh, and and it would just be the four of them there. So, um, you know, if you look at Peter, he wouldn't be a um, a likely choice. Uh, for most people that you'd think would be mightily used by God based on the world standards. He's a fisherman. He's a fisherman. Like, you know, I mean, you could look at me, uh, you know, my current profession. You know, I work in a security position, you know, and people are like, oh, okay, all right. You know, uh, you know, maybe back when he was a superintendent, you know, in the military, you know, maybe, no, no, you know, this. I'm not, please don't, I I realize this can sound awful. I'm not saying anything's bad about one or the other or that I was, you know, it was a super spiritual thing for me to take this job. I just got offered the job and I didn't have one yet and I didn't know what I was going to do. So I just jumped into it. So I'm not trying to say that I made this great act of humility and in going into it. It's a good job. It's a, you know, it's, it's a good job, but people probably aren't going to look and go, Hey, there's your future president from doing that. You know what I mean? Uh, from the world standards, it might be considered something that, Oh, okay. It's kind of easy, whatever. Um, but you know, God's economy is different than the world. So when you look at Peter, you wouldn't look and go, ah, there's a guy that's going to lead the new, the, the first century church and be a pillar that God uses. Might not have been the likely choice. Things change. And, and uh, so, so the message is for Peter that, uh, um, just, uh, Jesus says that Satan wanted to sift him as wheat. But at the end of verse, uh, but in uh, verse 32, it says, but I have prayed for you. Jesus tells Peter that he's interceded for him in prayer, that Jesus Christ, God, the son intercedes for you in prayer. You can have some confidence, you know, uh, that's something for Peter uh, later on in life. And, and shortly after this, that he could, he could rest in and that he could find restoration in uh, John 17 uh, verses 14 through 19 gives us a um, a glimpse into uh, how Jesus prayed for the disciples. Uh, verse 14 says, I have given them, Jesus praying uh, to the Father says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that they that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your by your truth. Your word is truth. And you sent me into the world. I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Uh, verse 15, it ends with, but it, it, well, verse 15 says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. That's an example of, of that prayer uh, that, that Jesus had made for the disciples. Specifically, he's trying to get Peter's attention. Say, Satan wants to crush all you guys, but Peter, I've got something for you because I know something's about to happen in your life that would absolutely destroy you, and Jesus is, perform, uh, is preparing him for it. Christ intercedes for us. Because if you read in John 17, you can see that he, he prays for, for believers. But uh, the scripture I want to share with you is Romans 8, 
uh, verse 26 through 27 and verse 34, also from Romans 8. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings we, uh, which cannot be uttered. So God him, God the Spirit, we see Jesus praying. Uh, so the, the, uh, God the Spirit also making intercession, uh, intercession for us, the Holy Spirit. Now he who searches the hearts and knows the mind, the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So I'm going to read that again. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 34 says, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. God, the Father, God, the Spirit, and God the Son making intercession to God the Father on our behalf. Let that blow, like chew on that, that Jesus Christ, it says right here, who's sitting at the right hand of God, also making intercession for us, interceding on our behalf to God the Father. That's amazing. I mean, just chew on that and, and, and let your heart just be uh, blessed. Uh, two more verses to share for you. These two are from uh, Hebrews 7.25 regarding uh, Jesus as our great high priest. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. That he's living. He's the living God. It says, since he always lives to make intercession. We serve a risen Christ. And because he's risen and he's alive, he can make intercession for us. If he was dead, he couldn't. He's alive. And he makes intercession for us. Hebrews 9.24 For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So many verses about Christ interceding and appearing on our behalf. Jesus is kind of, Jesus can get so downplayed here uh, when, when he, especially here on this earth, like, uh, you know, Jesus is cool. Jesus is like, he's awesome. And yes, he's awesome. And he's the coolest guy to ever walk the face of the earth. He really is. You know, when you look at it. But understanding who he was and what he's done for us and what he continues to do for us, understanding that he is Lord, you know, because we can cheapen and like, yeah, Jesus is my friend and, uh, and, and not have a refer a reverence for him is, is that's a, that's a dangerous place to be, but understanding that he is, he is there interceding for us in front of God, the father continuously that he's a living uh, savior. So when P when Jesus says to Peter, but I have prayed for you, that's that's the biggest thing that we can ever rest in is that Jesus Christ is interceding and has interceded for us. You're ne we're never, ever going to have a greater assurance in our lives than knowing that Jesus Christ, the perfect one that died for our sins, intercedes for us. 
and for the things that we don't even know to ask for, as we read in, um, in Romans 8. That we don't even know that the Spirit would make intercession for us because we don't know what we pray, what we need to pray for as we ought. There's a, that's that's like you you know how like the, the scriptures we we can um uh there's there's the milk of the word and then there's the meat there's the we're diving in and and you can dive very deep into just that that that's meat when someone just becomes a Christian. You know, you can share, you know, you share, share Jesus as the savior of their souls. Then as they're growing and everything, and you can start explaining to them not only the death on the cross and the resurrection, but that he's interceding for us constantly in front of the father. And that someday when we get there, we're, we're going to be able to say that one's mine. We're going to be able to hear him say that. I should say that's wow. You know, that that's that's the meat. That's the the the, the where we're going to get some more strength and nourishment. You know, when when we're little and we're young in our faith, you know, we just got a puppy today and 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 he doesn't know what he needs and what he doesn't need and everything. And he just wants to run and he'll be in run in mid run and stop and sleep, you know, and all these things. And we got to keep him away from this and keep him away. You know, it's a puppy. He, we just brought him home today. And he's very much a babe, and he needs to be brought up, and he need, and eventually he'll be able to. Uh, even his diet will will be a different diet because he's older and he can digest those things. So that's that's something for us to chew on and to digest. Verse thirty two, the second half. Jesus says, "But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren." I'm getting really long-winded, and I have a long ways to go. So I'm hoping we're going to get to verse 62. That's the goal. That's where we're hoping to get to. So if I can, yeah, anyways. So uh, when you have returned to me, Jesus says. He didn't say that if you return to me. He says when you return to me. When you return to me, because it was going to be a, a, a denial of Jesus. And But Jesus said, he hasn't even told him that yet as we're studying through here. But he says that Satan wants to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you um, that your faith wouldn't fail when you return to me. So there's going to be this cataclysmic failure coming in your life. And Jesus is saying is when you return to me, I have a mission for you. And that mission is to strengthen your brethren. It's not just to be uh, excited or anything. God is he's being put. Peter's being put through that fire. And it coming out, and you know that there's a song called Bebo Norm uh, from Bebo Norman, um, uh, and I, I I know it as a shapeless piece of steel, and I, I don't even know the name of the song, um, but he's describing being a, a piece of steel being shoved in the fire, and when it comes out, it's hot, hammers just pounding again, and you know how how hard uh, that pounding and that shaping can be, and we see at the end of Peter's life how strong and how great he was used by the Lord. But very much a sinful man, normal guy, fisherman, you know, but it was the Holy Spirit within him that made all the difference in the world. It's it's God's Holy Spirit strengthening us and 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 uh, building us. So uh, Peter's concerned at this point and at the at the end of uh, verse uh, 32 and he's overwhelmed by his emotion and, and his response. He meant every word that he said here when he says, uh, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. He, he meant that in his heart. What he didn't realize is that his inner, his, his inner uh, uh, heart and mind uh, was not as strong as he thought it was. And the Lord had to show him that. 
and uh, the, he, he becomes broken. And uh, remember, he's not lacking his self-confidence, but he believed that and he would stand with Jesus. Remember what happens as we, as we get into here. Who grabs the sword and just shing, chops off Malchus's ear? Peter. You know, he, he's ready to go. You know, Peter, Peter meant what he said. He's ready to die. He's ready to fight. But it's when things get calm. And it's that, I, I, it's a weird word to use, but that peer pressure of those around him, you know, that, it, and, and we'll look at, he's following Jesus from a distance. And when he's not standing there with Jesus is where he's weak here. And we'll, we'll look into it a little bit more. But so Jesus is preparing him because he knew that he wouldn't, he wouldn't stand with him as, as he said he wanted to. And uh, Jesus prepared him for this failure and explains it. He tells him that he will return. That's a faithful God to tell him, you know, you, what you're going to go through is, is going to be tough. And I just, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. And then Peter makes this declaration. No, 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 no. I'm ready to fight and to die with you or to go to prison, whatever it is. And Jesus's response must have cut him right to the heart. Verse 34 says, then he said to him, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you have denied me, died three times that you know me. I'm willing to fight and die for you. And Jesus says, by the end of today, you're going to deny that you even know me. Not only, let alone fighting and dying with me, you will deny that you even know me three times. That's, oh, that's heavy. That's hard. You know, Peter, I, I know I've said it before. I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but Peter, Thomas, uh, you know, when, when, when failure is out there, you know, we could see it in maybe uh, somebody's life that just gets plastered all over TV and radio when we see when they've done something wrong, and and just and just, but just to realize that that failure and just the utter embarrassment, the utter shame. You know, Peter, Peter is just at this point, Jesus is preparing him, telling him, "No, by the end of this day, you're going to deny me three times. When you hear the rooster crowing, you're going to know that you know I, you're going to remember that I told you this." You know, Jesus is telling Peter that always, although his heart and his mouth are declaring it, he will deny. And uh, Jesus gives him a word of encouragement to cling to back in verse 32 because uh, it's going to lead to devastation and desperation for him. It's, it's, it's going to take him to a point. And uh, God is understanding, we can, when we look at Peter, so now just some personal application, is God is willing to restore and he does restore. A fast forward that we're going to get into, and uh, is we're going to read uh, from. Uh, I'm going to read you from uh, John 21, if I can get there uh, tonight, and we cover where Jesus does de ends up denying. Uh, sorry, when Peter does end up denying Jesus, uh, and then we're going to look at John's account and see a little bit more. That's what I love about the Gospels. There's a little bit, you know, here and there that when we put them together, the story that we have. Uh, is is just amazing. So God is willing to restore. He does restore, and He'll do the same uh, for anybody who comes to Him with a sincere heart. You know, we we may still face the consequences of our failures and and uh, the sin or whatever, but uh, we have the forgiveness from Him, and He doesn't want our lives to be utter uh, complete disasters. He'll put it back together at that point. But sometimes it might be a physical thing that we have to live with for the rest of our life from, you know, from disobeying him or whatever it might be. But the Lord is willing to restore and he does restore. Let's move forward. Verse 35. And he said to them, 
When I sent you without money, without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, nothing. I like this. Uh, so Jesus reminds them of his provision. And, uh, they were sent with nothing, and they lacked nothing. And he taught them um, you know that song, uh, Trust and Obey, uh, the, the old hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Very powerful. I love the old hymns. You know, uh, and I love here that Jesus says he's asking them for it because sometimes, you know, Jesus would speak a rhetorical question that really there isn't uh, an answer. But he asked them this direct question and, and he says to them here, he says, you know, when I sent you without money, bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing that audible. They had they had to audibly speak. We didn't lack anything. I love that because they. Uh, no doubt after Jesus had died and, and was resurrected and they've got to figure out life and everything, that they remembered this conversation and Jesus asking them this and that they had to audibly participate in what Jesus was teaching them there. So sometimes, you know, learning, uh, there are different types of learning. You can, you know, you, you, some learn by vision or doing things. But from what I've always uh, heard, if you really want to uh, learn something, you want to remember it especially when you're reading it, is read it out loud because then you're speaking it. It's coming back into your ears. So you're thinking it, you're speaking it, and hearing it. You know, uh, So th those things. So sometimes speaking things will help us uh, retain things. But the Lord asked them just a direct question, uh, and they, their response is nothing. Then he said to them, but now he who has money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered among, sorry, numbered with the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. So they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. So verses 36 and 37 usually um, uh, I know a lot of people that uh, that like to uh, you know conceal carry or you know like firearms or, or whatever it is. So I, I'm going to be as brief as I can uh, with this uh, while still addressing it. So uh, Jesus does endorse self-defense here, and what he's saying what he's saying is is you may need to protect yourselves. It's okay. So I don't want to I don't want to derail the conversation. Self-defense is okay. Some people, I've actually heard the conversations from other people of being confronted saying, well, you're unspiritual if you think you need a gun. You don't think God can protect you? Yes, he can. We live in a wicked and evil world. You know, just look, to, read through the Old Testament. How many times did Israel have to fight to defend themselves from wicked nations wanting to invade and take over? Sometimes they were the ones that were going to take over, but uh, ultimately... You know, sometimes defending ourselves is necessary, and it is lawful. It's lawful. So, yes, Jesus Jesus does endorse self-defense. It is not unspiritual to own a firearm if you want to keep one in your house, carry one on your hip where it's legal and all that stuff or whatever it is. Do I? Can we put our faith and trust in that? No, it's a tool, you know, because, you know, who says that you're going to be able to draw it? Don't put your faith and trust in that, but know that if you have it, and you, you, know, you may need to use it to protect. Guys, this world is absolutely insane, off the hinges, crazy. You know, that's what we see around us, right? How many, guys, how many shootings have we heard of at, like, main Walmarts? 
unfortunately, it's like the Walmart parking lot has become, you know, the place. Even in here in Maine. Everybody's like, oh, that doesn't happen here in Maine. That's only in big cities or what. Nope. Nope. The craziness is all around us. We can't place our faith and trust in our ability to quick draw. You know, our, play, our, our faith and trust still needs to remain in the Lord. But we're not unspiritual if we want to if we want to have something on hand to protect our family and, and our and our lives. We're going to move on from that, but I did want to address that. Verse thirty-seven it says he was numbered among the transgressors, and we're going to look at that as we go through later. But I do want to address it. Uh, that comes from Isaiah fifty-three verse twelve, and, and we're going to cover it more. Uh, but essentially, it's the only sinless man to ever walk on the face of the earth, uh, publicly crucified and shamed, mocked and beaten, treated as one worthy of hanging on a cross, just like the two next to him that were that were there for the crimes that they had committed. But he was there for our sins. You know, it's just that's a heavy thing to think of, that he was numbered among the transgressors, that he was considered to be one of the prisoners deserving a death row and, and to die. But it was only for us. Verse 38, when it says, uh, Lord, look, uh, here are two swords. It, it basically, he's done having the conversation. If we look at it in the, I don't, you know, I don't read Greek, but uh, in the original language, as I'm studying it, uh, the the ones, the guys that I listen to or, or or research from, they're just saying he's he's make a declaration like I've said enough. You know, it, it's enough. We're moving on. There's more things to talk about than. You know, there, he already he already addressed it. He already said, you know, sell this and, and buy a sword. And, well, we have two. Is that enough? And he's like, all right, enough of that. And we're moving on. So if, if, if that created any uh, question. So uh, verses 39 through 46 uh, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed and his disciples also followed him. So uh, as he was accustomed, uh, you know, we need to have a spiritual routine, not just a religious process in our lives, but we should have a spiritual routine. You know, is it when you wake up? Is it before you go to bed? I encourage you to get into the word uh, in the morning and uh, it's good for us to be in the word. So we have something to meditate on in the day, maybe at lunchtime, you know, whatever it is. But uh, but he, he had a routine and, and I just want to make sure that we understand it's not a religious practice. Uh, but it's important for us to have time in prayer and to be in the Word on a daily and regular basis. Verse 40, And when they came uh, to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, not uh, my will, but yours be done. So some of this, uh, the more commentary will come as we study uh, in our next study. We, we get into this a little bit more, but we'll, we'll obviously still cover uh, what we're looking at here. Uh, Mark 14, we can see that Peter, James, and John were brought a little bit closer than the others. Um, verse 42, we see that the Lord says, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus came to accomplish the will of the Father. And I know we've discussed this specifically at length several times, that that the Lord, um, uh, that Jesus gave us that perfect example of God's will in our life and not ours. And, and we've, we spoke on that a few times. And that he laid his will down um, and went to the cross as an act of obedience. That was the only way for us to be saved. 
remember, you know, uh, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, it says in verse 42, any other way, let this cup pass from me. Uh, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Didn't want to experience uh, not so much the physical torture that was coming. It was the spiritual separation from God the Father for the first time ever. Did not the weight of our sin, you know, crushing him. Gethsemane um, uh, speaks of like a uh, like an olive press. Uh, the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, that, that I don't remember the exact word Gethsemane, but but the meaning behind it is it like the press of an like pushing out and that pressure, you know, pushing out uh, and and crushing the olive itself. That that Jesus would be crushed under our sins. He was crushed for our sins, right? He was bruised for our transgressions, crushed for our sins. The weight um, of the coming separation from God the Father you know, caused this great distress. And uh, as we read forward in verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. So we see how weak and how devastating this was that even an angel uh, came and strengthened him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Uh, then his sweat became like great drops of blood uh, falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you fall into, uh, lest uh, you enter into temptation. Mark 4, uh, 1432 uh, offers a different uh, a commentary on this and uh, just from a, a different standpoint same thing uh, then they came to a place which is called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples sit here while I pray and he took Peter James and John with him and began to be troubled and deeply distressed so when he gets there he's troubled and deeply distressed then uh, then he said to them my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death stay here and watch he went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. So he's just that distress, falling on the ground. And he said, verse 36 of Mark 14, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but, but what you will. And the disciples, when he comes back, he finds them sleeping. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. All of that, that complete... Uh, it just he's so sorrowful. It says he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And he asked, Get, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. We I don't know that we'll under, uh, understand in this life how heavy that burden was. I, I, just, I don't know that we'll ever understand. That is so heavy that he's sweating drops of blood. And I know Will has described the physiological effects that the, the capillary, capillaries will, will burst and you know blood actually comes out. That's a tremendous amount of stress on somebody. Jesus is at that point where an angel has to come and minister to him. This isn't light. This isn't something light. Like, oh, hey, Jesus died for my sin. They put a cross on him. I can just go do and whatever I want. Do you understand what that means? You know, and just having a discussion. Uh, oftentimes, uh, and I know I've shared it before. That um, I remember reading something, and I think somebody had shared it, and they said that they were talking to somebody about the cross they had, and it was it was like the Catholic cross where it showed uh, a depiction of what what might have been you know of Jesus on the cross. 
and uh, they're like, oh, you know, that, that's a really nice cross, and the, the uh, uh, with a little guy on it too is kind of cool. Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, obviously you're not going to jump down their throat, but that's 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 awful that that somebody doesn't know the story and be able to share. Do you know this story? And be able to share and 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 to know what he went through and that he he. Uh, submitted his will to the will of the Father and and went obediently to the cross. Verse 47, And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who uh, was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw that he was go- what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him, Have I come? Uh, have you come out against me as a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you, didn't try, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour the power uh, and the power of darkness. So Jesus betrays, uh, sorry, Judas betrays Jesus uh, with a kiss. Proverbs twenty-seven verse six. I remember seeing this on a cohort year, years and years ago, and it took me a minute to understand. And she she said it, but it, it was like faithful the wounds of a friend, but the deceitful the kisses of an enemy. And I was like, at that point, it just kind of caught me off guard. This was years and years ago, like twenty years ago. And I'm like, why would a friend wound you? And 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 it was. Oh, 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 a friend would wound you so that, you know, they could get your attention like, hey, what are you doing in life? And it might it might wound you, but it's going to bring you to the truth. Um, oh, yeah, I, I got you. But I just remember seeing that. So this is a scripture that, that, that sticks out to me. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. That's what we see right here. Is that that deceit? So you know, uh, he comes up and and he he gives him a kiss, and Jesus, uh, of course, isn't isn't uh, caught off guard by this, and says, uh, "Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Are you betraying the Messiah with a kiss?" Is what he? That's what that means. The Son of Man with a kiss. That's intense. That's a, that's a question. So then everybody comes around, and the disciples are ready to fight, and uh, Jesus surrenders peacefully. Uh, he calls out the cowardice of the mob, and uh, I was open in front of you, but we read, how many times did we read, but they were afraid of the people, but they feared the people. So they were cowards, and now that they've got Judas, they can they can kind of walk up behind them like Jesus didn't know what was going to happen. And Jesus even said, if I wanted to call down legions of angels right now, he could wipe them all out. Jesus went, at, at because of his obedience to the Father and the will of the Father to the cross. It wasn't that these guys were strong enough with their clubs and pitchforks or whatever and swords that they had that Jesus was like, oh, you got me now. Jesus calls them cowards right there. In fact, when uh, and, and he stops Peter from even fighting. We Peter's name isn't mentioned here, but John dimes him out, right? So John says, oh, yeah, hey, it was Peter. Draws a sword, cuts off the, the servant Malchus's ear, and Jesus restores his ear. I've always wondered what happened to Mal- Malchus. Like, how could your life be the same after you just watch your, you know, your ear just cut off, cut off and you're in writhing and pain. You got blood all over your hand. And Jesus, the guy that you're there to get ministers on your behalf and heals your ear. Whatever happened to that guy? Ah, I did, those, are, those are cool things. 
you know, but uh, you know, you know, I wonder whatever happened. So uh, where where Peter is called out, I remember in uh, wrestling practice when I was in high school, our coach, and I think I've shared this with you, so forgive me if it's repeating it, but our coach had an interesting way of, of telling the team not to do something stupid if you did it. <laughs> so, you know, if I did something in a match uh, that he didn't like and that he's taught us differently, but wrestling is, is so unpredictable. Sometimes you have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, you get to know some opponents, and I became good friends with them and stuff like that. That just did its did something. Uh, it's trying to reconnect Casey, so he might hear something. So sorry, um, but uh, our, our coach would uh, he would call us out, you know, after Saturday meet, you know, Monday more Monday afternoon we'd be in practice, and he'd you know as he's before we get into what we're going to cover for practice, sit everybody down, and he'd be like. You know, he'd say, all right, so we're going to talk about this. Now, uh, what you don't want to do is this. And he goes, and I won't, I won't, you know, mention anybody's name, but his initials are John Paul Sear. You know, and everybody would start laughing, right? Because he, he, he was the type of coach that we absolutely loved. And everybody still loves him. You know, it just when you see Coach Carter, it was, but he always had a great way of, of calling us out. So I just wanted to share that a little bit. But John shares that it was Peter that draw, draw, drew the sword and chopped off Malchus's ear. Um, just wanted to share that, that little bit. So um, we're going to make it. Verse 54. Uh, having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him uh, as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man uh, was with him also. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, long, uh, little while another said to, uh, saw him and said, You also are also are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confident, confidently affirmed saying, surely this fellow was with them for he is a Galilean. So that guy's like the first two. Yes, but no, this guy definitely was. Is that, that's what it says when it says affirmed confidently saying, no, you definitely were. There's no getting around this. And Peter said, man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. The lowest point in, we, in Peter's life is what we just read. The absolute lowest point. Of Peter's life. It's. You know, Peter denies Christ right here. And it's his, his deepest failure. It's recorded in history. 2000 plus years later. Here we are discussing it on a Wednesday night. And there's no hiding the secret. You know it's not like. you know, oh, I'd really appreciate. You know we can learn from this. And and he's. Uh, Will has shared with us that. That Peter, uh, maybe it's a church tradition, but Peter uh, was taunted wherever he went and talked. They would, they would, and they would taunt him where he went throughout his ministry. He was mocked. Lowest point, thrown right in his face. So we can look at this and, and look at failure. However, Jesus told him this was going to happen. Remember, all the way back in verse 32. But I have prayed for you 
uh, he said, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And I'm going to go through this as fast as I can, but not miss what we really need to look at. <clears throat> Jesus prayed that his faith would not fail. And, and he told him that he would return to him. And when he did, he had a mission to strengthen the brethren. So after this happens, after Jesus died, I told you we'd cover it. And I'm going to read you some verses from John 21, verse 15 uh, through 19. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, this is the risen, the Lord, risen Lord, uh, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again, a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Peter denied, told, Jesus told him that he would deny him. Peter did deny him. This, what we just read, was the account of Jesus restoring Peter three times. He denied him three times. Jesus is so faithful to us, guys. So, so faithful that he will restore us. When we come to him with a broken and contrite heart, and just and Peter is the third time he's just broken, and he's like, Lord, you know I love you. I know that I denied you three times. And it, it, I'm welling up a little bit here <clears throat> because Jesus just gives him the opportunity to say, I love you three times. Oh, God is so faithful. He, remember how, now think, if Jesus restores him and then think of, uh, if you're familiar with Acts and you're familiar with what Peter had to say in the book of Acts and what Peter said in First and Second Peter as he's writing, um, uh, remember how boldly he declared the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 2 at the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people are saved. We just read of Peter, the lowest point in Peter's life. But that wasn't the end of Peter's life. We know the end of Judas's life when he denied Jesus and he betrayed Jesus. He went and hung himself because he was overwhelmed by the guilt because he was guilty and he didn't ever have a, a saving belief in Jesus. But that saving belief in Jesus and the Holy Spirit made all the difference in Peter's life. And Jesus restored him and he declares publicly in front of everybody in the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls are added to the Lord that day, to the church. 3,000 in one day. There wasn't a big tent revival planned or anything, you know. Remember how he healed the lame man in the next chapter, Acts chapter 3, when he's, he's asking for alms and Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And then he goes through the temple and he's walking and leaping and praising God. And, G and Peter has everybody's attention. And he goes, don't look at me and John. We didn't do it. It's by the name of Jesus Christ that he's been saved, been, been healed. And that, that leads to this thing with the Sanhedrin, Sanhedrin, and they're giving him a hard time. These guys get thrown in prison and everything. They get, uh, they, finally, they, they say, uh, they get to a point where they're like, you know what, we'll just, we'll just uh, threaten them and tell them they can't go preach in the name of Jesus anymore. That, that, that didn't deter them at all. 
Jesus, uh, Jesus restored Peter wholly and completely. There wasn't any guilt and condemnation left. Nothing. It was all over with. He restored him. And that's it. Peter could go look at his failure and go, because of Jesus, I can now move forward in my life and do what he told me to do because he told me I was going to return to him. And then he also told me that uh, I was my job was to go strengthen the brethren. And that's what I'm going to do. Go make brethren and then strengthen them. And that's what he did. God is so faithful and he'll do that in our lives also. We just come to him and say, Lord, I've failed. I'm sorry. God's going to restore us. And then you know, we, we get to a point where now we have a testimony that we can share. So you know, Peter still made mistakes. Paul had to correct him for rejecting the Gentiles or turning his back and stuff like that. But overall, dramatically changed his life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at, uh, and we're going to end right here, at how he was used to strengthen the brethren. First Peter 5, verse 1. You want to see some encouragement? Go read First and Second Peter. It's awesome. 1 Peter 5, verse 1 says, The elders, this is uh, Peter writing, uh, The elders who are among you I exhort. I am also a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of glory. Remember the conversation Jesus said, you know, like, hey, because of you, you walked with me and, and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you a place of prominence in the kingdom of God. He says right here, I'm a partaker of glory. You know, because he knows that God is 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 giving him uh, his reward, and it's not an earthly reward. Uh, so uh, also a partaker of glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. And he says, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Remember that, that example that Jesus, when they were all talking about being great, and Jesus says, no, you got to be a servant. That's all coming out right here. That so impacted Peter's life that here it is. It's right here. And he's sharing it, strengthening the... Remember, Jesus said, when you return to me, strengthen the brethren, and he's writing it right here. Nor as lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief priest appears to you, you will receive uh, the crown of glory. The chief... Uh, sorry, the chief priest. The chief shepherd appears to you you'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away that crown of glory you're going to be uh blessed in heaven when god uh, god uh rewards us likewise you younger people submit yourself to your elders so there's that submitting right uh it, it, the point got around to peter and it was driven into his heart and god you know etched it on his heart Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Don't argue about who's going to be great. Be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You guys see a, a theme here? Serving, being humble, not lording over anybody. How does he... He uses those examples that Jesus told him right before he told him he was going to fail and then he's using it to strengthen the brethren right here because we're being blessed by this uh, even now. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That verse that we looked at already before to end that out. Thousands of people repented at Peter's uh, preaching. He strengthened others uh, from what he learned from his failures and from his victories in his life. 
he's able to to minister and to build the build us up and edify us that building up the edification the last thing i have for you is we can do this too with true empathy patience and love from god because god has built our lives and he ministers to us just as he ministered to these guys he gives us a testimony peter was able to share that testimony with people and strengthen them and strengthen the brethren make sense Praise God that he is so faithful to us that he doesn't just, if, if he turned his back on us, how many times have we turned our backs on him? But Jesus prayed for him. He makes intercession for us. Remember all those scriptures. He makes intercessions for us. Jesus, that God the Son, that God the Spirit make intercession for us to God the Father. All of these things are right at our fingertips, just like they were with Peter. All of the, that power of the Holy Spirit is right here. We just ask the Lord for it, and he gives it to us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, oh, you are so awesome, Lord, so gracious, so loving, so faithful to us. Lord, when we see the, the utter failure of our brother and that we can look at it in our heart break for him, but Lord, just know, knowing, Lord, that we can see the end of the story and, and we know that that destroyed him almost brought him to, to utter destruction, but it didn't, Lord. But you, because you prayed for him, you made intercession for him, uh, and, and that you would restore him and that he would strengthen the brethren. Back then and even today, we can be strengthened by what he wrote here. You are an amazing God. This book was not just thrown together by a bunch of guys that wanted to sit there and write a book that was going to try to lord over everybody. This is a supernatural book that we have that changes our lives and saves the lost. We thank you so much for it. We pray that, that what you've told us here would be ever-present in our minds and in our hearts and that we, you would give us opportunity to share and the boldness and love to do so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.